Welcome to the City Beautiful Church podcast. Thank you for taking the time to join our family as we strive to live together in heavenly reality. For more great content, visit us online at citybeautiful.ch. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Jonathan Hodges. Um, I sit here on the discipleship team. I'm also on the teaching rotation, and every now and then Ryan needs a little break from the things that he does every Sunday, and he's out um, visiting his parents and the Jacksons this weekend, and um, I thought I'd just close the loop on this three-part start that we have going here in this new series called For the Sake of the World, and in the past, I've actually been rebuked not praying, for not praying before my message, so I'm going to yield to that accountability, and I'm going to pray before we dive in. Heavenly Father, thank you that you brought us all here today. Thank you, God, that you've given us your Son to understand our lives, to understand our reality. And nothing makes sense without your son. Thank you for indwelling this place with the power of your spirit to just help connect our heart and our minds. God, you are for us. You are not against us. You are with us here this morning. So I just praise you for the work that you're doing here in our community. Would you guide us and lead us today? In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So for the sake of the world, this new series, it's seeking to provoke our imaginations. To, it has been seeking to renew our understanding of what it means to be ambassadors of Jesus in a polarizing world. So what does it look like for us, followers of Jesus, to participate in the new creation that Jesus is making, that is bursting forth out of this world, a heavenly reality that is bursting forth out of this earthly one, a heavenly reality that is bursting forth from followers of Jesus in this room, you and me, a reality filled with the Spirit sent out into the world to transform relationships, neighborhoods, vocations, and all the places that we dwell. And this year, a vision that has captivated the heart and core of our church is from the throne flows a river of renewal. And in accordance with the very end of the scriptures that we read, that we hold so dearly close to our hearts, the book of Revelation 22, we are given a picture of this river of renewal. And on each side of this river stands the tree of life. And this tree is bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of this tree are for the healing of the nations. So my question is this morning is what kind of fruit is yielding from this tree of people every month? 
are the leaves of this tree healing the nations? And the answer is yes. And it's beautiful. Why? Because he is faithful to complete a work in us that he begun. And it's for us to join in with that, to believe, to buy into that, that this is what the Lord is doing with us as a spiritual family. And I also believe that anyone who walks through these doors, knowingly or unknowingly, carries this vision out into the world for varying degrees. The Spirit is just latching on to people. And I believe that this is happening among us. And last week, you know, we've been in the series for two for two weeks, this is the third week, and I'm sort of closing the loop on what does it mean to be the church as witness? How does the church witness to the reality of God in Jesus? And Ryan shared a long quote by a theologian by the name of Stanley Harawas towards the end, and he sent us out into the world, and this one line in the quote just caught my eye, and I just want to just process it with you guys today. And it went like this, God does not rule creation through coercion, but through a cross. God does not rule creation through coercion, but through a cross. Isn't that a great reminder for all of us to be cross-shaped? But an ever-growing post-Christian society, particularly in the West, I believe that maybe the concept of a cross-shaped Christianity for Christian has been eluding us a little bit. It's undoubtedly been flailing a little bit as the faith has justifiably lost members in the past couple years or being met and tested with public suspicion or animosity. And I just think this falling away, animosity and suspicion is simply foul fruit that yields from centuries of political and religious institutions borrowing, imposing, and perverting the faith to procure power. And this kind of of narrative is drawing its biblical parallels to a powerful and ancient Babylonian principality that's married to all the wrong things, all the wrong gods, lowercase g enslaving civilizations, one that led Israel astray to forget her creator, dehumanizing people in the process, shaping a society enslaved in constant cycles of idolatry and injustice, yielding more and more license to the love of money, greed, power, and pride, a political throne that is destined to fall but also one that is designed to deceive us, specifically followers of Jesus, into believing that it's the way. And sadly, this trend is keeping believers, keeping believers detoured from revealing a reality that's being shaped by the cross, our crucified and resurrected Messiah. And the enemy is trying to distract us from becoming faithful followers of Christ. The ones like we read about in the Acts of the Apostles, who devoted themselves to the simple yet beautiful rhythms of spiritual family, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer, a church filled with awe, accompanied by signs and wonders enacted by the Apostles, a church that was together 
and held all things in common. A church that sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day, a church that met together and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God, enjoying the favor and respect of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So as we revive our prophetic imaginations, our creative imagination in this series, an embodied kingdom enjoys the favor and respect of all people. Does our faith experience look like this? Just take an audit of your life for a moment. Does it look like this? We, have, we also have a persecution complex. We like, to make, we like to, you know, say that when people are angry with us, we're doing something right, right? It's not always like that. And it's not, it wasn't like that in Acts 2. They were enjoying the favor and respect of all people. But back to the world around us. It should be no secret that our faithfulness to Jesus, to the words and ways of Jesus, is always being tested. We are increasingly being influenced by the powers of the world, by mainstream media, political narratives, social media rants, more tempted than ever in this cultural moment to channel our inner TikTok, or broadcast our geopolitical, ethical convictions over digital platforms as if that's going to change hearts or to doom scroll, or reshare whatever tickles our ears, and maybe the ears of our digital followers, or maybe to provoke our digital enemies into a digital conversation. <laughs> and in doing so, in so many ways, we forfeit little by little our vocation, our calling to be the salt and light of the earth. An embodied revelation of the words and ways of Jesus, an ever-present, always faithful, patient, humble, always steadfast, loving, wise, and healing presence for the sake of the world. Instead, we are so tempted to join the party, give ourselves over to the work of being cultural zealots for a broad spectrum of bipartisan allegiances and controversies only to enslave ourselves deeper into the empire state of mind, the enemy's playbook, one that is poised to further division to gain power. That's it. And as followers of Jesus, we need to learn how to step back, pa press pause, and think differently together. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. That's a communal practice. Press pause. Think differently together. I heard this quote this week. I thought it was great. Some believe the threat to Christianity is conservative evangelicalism. And other, others believe it's progressive liberalism. But the real threat is non-discipleship to the words and ways of Jesus. That's it. I can leave now. <laughs> Are we forgetting that becoming more like Jesus takes precedence over sowing division? Following Jesus comes first, letting his story, his hands, his feet, his voice, his ways. He'll divide the sheep from the goats. We don't have to worry about that. <laughs> 
What good is it what we do here Sunday after Sunday or week after week in our community groups if what we're revealing isn't a radical alternative to what the world has to offer? So here's the appeal this morning. Here's the appeal this morning. Our best witness to the truth of Jesus is embodying the unity of God despite bearing the pain of living in a divided world. The cross of Christ speaks a better word speaks very much directly into how God bore the pain of our experience living in a divided world or out of broken stories. For he himself is our peace who has made the two groups one and destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. The cross informs a follower of Jesus how we ought to hold and interpret all the hostility around us, the corruption, the pain, the confusion, the chaos, the division, that is very much consuming our human experience out there in the world. Am I right? So despite the broad spectrum of ear-tickling ideological differences or rival stories that stoke and subtly shape us along the way, myself included, whether we like it or not, for followers of Jesus especially, resist. Resist. All these things are subject to the cross of Christ. The tangible love of God demonstrated on the cross beckons us to lay it all down. A cross that has drawn the entire cosmos, the entire cosmos into renewal. So much bigger. A cross that has drawn everything and everyone into the unity of God. A perfect love that relinquishes and burns up all our human junk on a cosmological level, past, present, and future. Turning curses into blessings, a space between where the work of reconciliation, the tangible work of reconciliation, is very much alive and active in the body of the crucified and resurrected King. Our best witness to the truth of Jesus is embodying the unity of God despite bearing the pain of living in a divided world. So we're going to open up. That was sort of like my prophetic preamble ranting. Now we're going to actually get into the scripture reading. Um, we're going to open up to Ephesians 4, so if you have your digital Bibles... Uh, but the words are going to be up on the screen so you can follow along. We'll be reading in the NIV translation. Um, Ephesians 4, verses 1 through 16. As a prisoner for the Lord. Starts off great, right, Paul? As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Sidebar. 
here. From prison, when Paul appeals to calling, he's not referring to our personal calling or our specific individual callings. But he is summoning the church to her, align herself in the beauty of the oneness of God. To align herself in a unity that is not defined by the schisms or isms of our worldly differences, but by a perfect heavenly union that has always proclaimed love in the halls of eternity. Imploring us to lay down all of our junk to preserve, maintain, and experience that unity. And it's no secret that all sorts of things seeking to, are seeking to attack and spoil relationships in our world. That's a reality, right? But I want to speak specifically into church unity. It's not the same. In this case, it is no secret that all sorts of things are seeking to attack and spoil the church's awareness of what we already possess in Christ. The unity we already possess in Christ. This is a unity that existed before the foundations of the world. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world. Bereshit yesh mayin. That's how the Jews say it. The unity we already possess in him is sacred. It's beautiful. It's a gift that we experience. So we lay it all down to preserve and maintain this through the power of the Spirit. You know, it's humbling to approach this unity because it cannot be manufactured. It's a gift, as I said, to be experienced by faith in the one who made it possible. And he shows us how. He shows us the way, a unity where we receive every spiritual blessing in Christ. So whatever these earthly attacks are, and whenever the spoil comes near, we must be quick to remind ourselves. We must be quick to resist and remind ourselves that the cross of Christ, the love of God, invites us back into the divine dance, the oneness of God, a unity that existed before the foundations of this world. And this covenant extends to everyone we lock eyes with. No matter what ism. Then Paul pivots with an appeal to each and every one of us. So let's continue in verse 7. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. Verse 9, what does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. I'm going to sort of, I love Paul's sidebar. So there's a Paul sidebar in here because there's parentheses and you're like, what's going on in this scene, right? Well, Paul is drawing from an old psalm here. Psalm 68, 18. Be up on the screen. When you ascended on high, you took many captives. You received gifts from people, even from the rebellious that you, Lord God, might dwell there. Even from the rebellious. You can keep that up. I have even from the rebellious underlined and then might dwell there underlined in my notes. It's great. I think it's beautiful. 
Paul is sharing that when Jesus ascended to the right hand of God the Father. We all know the story. Jesus ascended to the right hand of God the Father before Pentecost. And it was the spirit of them both that returned to dwell among his followers. Even those who had rebelled. And in that moment when the Spirit came down, they all became one by sharing in the fullness of God. That's the picture we get in Acts 2. Paul harkens back. Paul harkens back right here in this psalm to a prayer that he shared earlier in this same letter to the believers in Ephesus and by extension. So I'd like us to all stand. I'd like us to all stand. We're going to be orthodox in this moment. We all know how, love Ryan, how Ryan loves orthodoxy. So we're going to honor him in his absence. But here Paul harkens back to a prayer from earlier in this same letter to believers in Ephesus and by extension us. So let's open our palms, let's close our eyes, let's receive this prayer from the Apostle Paul. For this reason I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Amen. You may, be seated. you may be seated. So continuing on, verse 11. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. For him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part of its work does its work. So are you feeling vulnerable to the cunning trickster gambling with, <laughs> with a loaded dice? Definitely. It's pretty hard out there. Are we feeling like a small boat on the open sea, rudderless and helpless against the wind and waves of the world? Kinda, aren't we? It's pretty complex to navigate out there. So Paul's appeal here is for us to yield to the work of the Spirit that's inhabiting the body. It's a call to Christian maturity. That is why we gather a work that is maturing and building up the church. Each of us is called to play a part, come alongside each other. What part of the body are you? What gift do you already possess in him 
that's calling you to the table. The word is alive and active and sharper than any double-edged sword. He is calling you to the table. He has given you gifts to bring to the body so the body can experience the full measure, the fullness of Christ. This is insane. This is insane. Like, this is crazy. Only the Lord would do this, would bring us together for this purpose. Spiritual maturity means realizing you are not at this alone. The body of Christ is our provision where we experience and attain the fullness of God. This is what it looks like for the sake of the world to reimagine like our prophetic imaginations, to provoke them and to really eat these words, to chomp on these words. Spiritual maturity means realizing you're not at this alone. The body of Christ is your provision, is our provision. We experience and attain the fullness of God. So what part of the body are you? What gift do you already possess in him? Is this, some, is this a conversation that you've had with the Lord? Is this a conversation that you have with your brothers and sisters in Christ? I'm going to call up the worship team. And the elements are here, the bread and the wine, the broken body of Jesus and his blood, the new covenant. And I know that sometimes, like most of the time when we take communion, um, we kind of file up in a single line and we do this thing. We do this, just this thing, you know, this ritual. We come up, we take it. And I believe it's beautiful. It's still beautiful. Today we're going to do it a little bit differently. We're going to spend, we're probably going to roll through two more songs in worship response. But I would like you to just stay in your chairs and come up when you're ready. And come up when you're ready. But I really do want, I want to um, sort of invite you to have that conversation with the Lord because God does not rule creation through coercion, but through a cross, right? This is the, the quote that we started off with today. And the conversation that we're having with Jesus in this moment is remembering his sacrifice that brought us back into spiritual family, that brought us back into reality that is largely defined by laying our lives down and picking them up again. Life, death, and resurrection. And so when we're in this moment, we're stepping in to a moment where we're remembering who he is on our behalf. And sometimes we need a reminder from our brothers and sisters to tell us who he is and what we're doing in this moment. So Darren and Tam are here. And when you're ready, the worship, the worship band is just going to play through music. And when you're ready, come up and take. Have a conversation with the Lord. What part of the body are you? What gift do you already possess in him that's calling you to the table? 
question. I'm just going to pray. There's going to be a few things up on the screen while this is happening. So we're going to let the worship team do their thing. It's not going to be lyrics up on the screen. It's really a time of examination. Engage with the spirit that's present with us. The spirit of them both that's present with us in this room is wanting to speak into this. So let's pray. Bring down the lights a little bit. Heavenly Father, we have not come to an untouchable mountain, one that is burning with fire to darkness, gloom, and storm, or to a trumpet blast, or to a voice speaking words that those who have heard them beg no further word be spoken to them. We have come to your table, to the throne of the living God. We have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly, to the church of the firstborn, whose names are written in heaven. We have come to you. The judge of all. To the spirits of the righteous made perfect. To you, Jesus. The mediator of this new covenant. To the broken body and sprinkle blood that speaks a better word. Lead us, Holy Spirit. Be captivated by the presence of Jesus, speaking our name, calling us to the table. We praise you, Jesus. We praise your name, Jesus. Remember that your broken body enlarges our capacity to love. Let's have that conversation with the Lord. There's going to be a few guiding questions going over the screen that could sort of lead you in these moments of conversation with the Holy Spirit. Examine your heart before you come up and take of the elements. If you're not a follower of Jesus, just ask you to observe and listen for the Spirit's voice. He's speaking to you. He speaks to all people. But those for you who consider have made a decision to follow Jesus, all in allegiance to King Jesus, from the throne flows a river of renewal. For those of you who have said yes to Jesus, this is how I'm going to live my life. I'm going to follow your words and your ways. Come up and take when you're ready. Come up and take when you're ready.
Also, if you want to receive prayer for this next season, some of the conversation that you're having with the Lord in this moment, just step off to the side and someone will, will take you aside into the corridors and pray over you. Or you could just sit off to the side on the stages here and you will receive prayer. We have elders and leaders ready to pray over you. So after you take of the elements, you can just go to the sides. This has been the City Beautiful Church podcast. To stay connected, follow us on social everywhere at City Beautiful CH. We hope you join us again soon.